I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is Fly Purbly with Steve Jaco and Craig Forsyth. We're wondering if there's any possibility that we could just hit the reset button on this whole season. Pretty please? can't remember the last time I witnessed a nice uh, Philly burn on somebody when I've gone to a game. I was going to say, I've had, I'm trying to think of the last really good one. So, Craig, I was going to say I went to Saturday's game against the Devils. Oh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. And I will say it got chippy, at least on my end and the people I was with. But uh, so I start off my day by going up the escalator and immediately seeing a group of Devils fans uh, uh-huh. waiting in line to get Lorenzo's, right? So I see this this group of Devils fans, and I immediately yell, go back to the swamps of North Jersey, you scumbags. <laughs> Were you drunk? No. <laughs> this is just clear-headed Steve just start fights at the fucking matinee game. <laughs> It's a matinee game. It's one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm stone cold sober. And it's just the sight of Devils fans. I'm just like, no, I'm not having this. I'm not having this. Not on my watch. What? The rest of the day was spent. Uh, at one point I yelled, the Devils ruined hockey. Okay, fair. Devils are the most boring team of all time. Uh, Scott Stevens is a war criminal, a noted yeah. position of mine. Uh, Marty Brodor slept with his sister-in-law, of course. <laughs> uh, and one of the other things I noticed, like one of the dumbest things I noticed about Devils fans on Saturday was they all had Adam Henrique jerseys. Oh, baby. So a lot of my day was spent yelling, nice Henrique jersey, you idiots. <laughs> like, that's the biggest waste of money I've ever seen. I can't. I mean, that just speaks volumes to how exciting their team is, though. That at one point in time, Adam Henrique was like a was like a legit top three option for them. I swear to God, the jersey count went something like Nico Heischer. Okay. That... Henrique and then Eliash. And like, like Zajac is like a, another one where he, if people wear a Zajac jersey, it's like, well, technically, <laughs> this jersey makes sense. Like, they're just the most boring players in history. Yeah, Eliash is, like, the definition of that. Yeah. Like, Eliash is, like... Like, who gives a shit? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Scott Stevens is only remembered because he uh, murdered people. Literal criminal. Literal criminal. Marty Brodeur is known for being fat, uh, product of the system, and uh, having a little too much fun at family reunions. And then Patrick Eliash is, like... He's just, like... Oh, my God. 
If Patrick Elias played for any other team, if he was on those Red Wings teams, he would not be remembered. Like he, no, yeah. absolutely not. No, it's fucking Devils. The Devils didn't even have the guy named Satan. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they should have. Yeah, he should have just signed there at the end. They should have gone all out to sign Miroslav. And then he just wears number six. Was it Satan? Shatan? I think it was uh, Satan, right? Miroslav Satan. I thought. I thought it was close. I th- I... Satan. Shatan. Yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. Why not? I th- I, yeah, I forget. Actually, it's funny. I'm watching because um, for the return flight, I'm doing the 2010 series for the Bruins, and he was on that team. Had a couple goals. Couple goals. There we go. There yeah. we go. He had, yeah, real deep cut. He had that goal. Uh, I don't know. You remember? Do you remember when Mike Richards murdered David Krejci in that series? Oh, before you know things turn around. If I didn't remember, Boston certainly did. <laughs> yeah. So, but. After he got laid out, the the Bruins scored like ten seconds later, and it was uh, Miroslav Shatan. So, good times there. Yeah, good times. But I have to say, I mean, I I woke up, got a last minute ticket. I had to spend a period by myself, sitting next to some some wonderful gentleman that uh, also was just there solo. Uh, <laughs> I did the old South Philly slide, went up to uh, sit with my buddy for the rest of the game. That might have been one of the more nice. boring Flyers games of the season, uh, but it was one of the more successful ones, and I had a good time. I'm glad I went. And, you know, got to go boo some Devils fans and uh, kind of be a jerk for an afternoon. Yeah, sounds like you had a good time. Yeah, I did. The only other time I've been this chippy in recent history is I went to a Rangers game last year after uh, Han Dynasty happy hour, and, well, you know. Yeah, we know. We know how Steve gets with his Han Dynasty. Look, five dollar, five dollar Dandan noodles at happy hour, and five dollar well drinks. Oh boy! I think the chippiest. Oh man, I'm trying to think. I personally have never gotten too chippy at Flyers games. I just remember very vividly this one. Uh, Flyers Caps game, I think at the time at the MCI Center is what it was named at the time. And it was uh, a game where it was like the. <laughs> this is actually a pretty good story. It was like the game right before Halloween. So it actually was coming up like this time of year, probably about uh, 16 years ago, 17 years ago. I think it was 2001, 2002 uh, season. Flyers beat the Capitals four to one. Olaf Kolzig led in a goal from the neutral zone, I think. And I just remember, like, because uh, I think the Caps got one nothing. Guy in front of us, dressed up as uh, uh, Dracula, was like losing his mind, and my dad was getting, <laughs> my dad was getting pissed. And then Kolzig led in that goal, and my dad started screaming at him. And then they just talked shit to each other the entire game. And then after the game ended. They were just like in a stare down for like five minutes, and I was like, I don't, I don't know if they're about to fight. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I was like, I'm, I'm ready, I'm down, I'm ready to jump this guy with my dad. I was like 11. I mean, I, I think when you're 11, you have to be ready to jump a guy with your dad. Either run away or yeah. help him jump somebody. Yeah, but I mean, this guy was a string bean, and he was dressed up like Dracula. So I mean, so you I, guys had him. Yeah, I, I felt like pretty good odds to get it at least landed a punch in there, but I was just cracking up because, like, 
Think about it now. He argued with a guy that was in a costume, which I feel like just adds to the ridiculous. Of the... Actually, I got to look at that game and figure out which one game it was. But... You look that up. I'm going to briefly mention there, there's two ways I want to go with this. First, chippiest I've ever been was at this random Sapphire Sabres game. I want to say 09 10 season. Yeah. Chris Pronger yeah. is on the ice. So, you know, there's only a limited number of seasons where you can claim that. <laughs> and then there's just these two idiot Sabres fans behind me and my buddy. And just the entire game, we're going back and forth. There's very few times in my life I remember wanting to really fight somebody. I wanted to fight <laughs> these guys. I don't know why, but I really wanted to fight these guys. They were just getting on my nerves, just back and forth the entire game. Obnoxious. It's a Sabres fan. <laughs> that is true. It's a good question. The other way I wanted to go with this is I always find it funny this time of year when people do dress up in Halloween costumes for Flyers games or for any hockey game, really. Again, we're talking about grown men wearing jerseys of people half their yeah. age. That's a whole other commentary. <laughs> but it strikes me as odd to wear a full-blown Halloween costume to a hockey game, to a pro sporting event, if you're above the age of, say, 13. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I you know, I... Like, you know what I'm going to do for this hockey game? I'm going to dress up as Dracula. <laughs> Which is, yeah. Hun, I'm going to go to the Flyers-Rangers game tonight. Where's my Boba Fett costume? <laughs> I really need to be Boba Fett for the Flyers-Rangers game. Honey, I'd like to go partake in the local professional hockey game. Have you seen my Indiana Jones hat or outfit? I need right the back. satchel. I need the satchel. It's not complete without the satchel. They won't let me bring the whip in. Yeah, yeah that's true. You couldn't even wear a complete Indiana Jones. Yeah. Actually, you know... Maybe Indiana Jones bag is over the size limit these days. Something speaking of, we were speaking of band names earlier. I feel like Indiana Jones bag is a pretty good band name. Uh, by the way, I found the game October 30th, 2001. It was three, nothing. So, which kind of makes it more confusing. Cause I, I remember very vividly that guy in front of us turning around at one point while like all the other cast fans were cheering. And like, you know, you know like if you ever go to an away game, and you're like the only fan of the visiting team there. You know, other fans usually turn towards you and like celebrate at you because, you know, why not? And I remember, you know, this happened to yeah. me in Chicago and I was at the Blackhawks Flyers game. And this guy who I remember looking like Liam McBoyle from Always Sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> after the Blackhawks scored the first goal turned and actually like shook me and going, yeah, <laughs> which is always a i don't know it's just always a weird move to me i remember doing it when i went to a game at madison square garden i remember it happening and i was just like all right guys it's like a game in february we need to all calm down like it's, it's not these teams aren't going anywhere we don't need to settle but, down uh, this is all pathetic yeah, like i remember it happening uh and, and I, I don't remember the play that would have caused it though but it was three nothing simone gani had two goals third goal from uh pavel brundle First goal of the Ooh, season. Oh, Pavel yeah, so, Brendel. That's a deep ball right there, yeah. Uh, Chris Simon and Chris McAllister fought twice. What? So there you go. That was the game. That was that was 2001 hockey, in case you were wondering. If, if you don't like all the skating and scoring nowadays. Chris Simon. 
and Chris McAllister. Good, good to have the days of a three nothing score with two guys fighting twice. Yeah, that's something I I kind of want to look into. <laughs> it's just the novelty of like dudes who fought twice in a game or three times. Because I know that's happened before, three times in a game between two guys. I'm sure, but Ruby's done well, it. Well, right? I, I think Ruby's done it when I was when I looked at the the Panthers' flight return. Pavel, uh, Pavel Brendel, uh, Peter Worrell. Yeah, Pavel Brendel and Peter Worrell just fucking duked it out. You know, just two heavyweights. Oh man, I completely forgot about Chris Simon until this moment. Yeah. That dude had some hair. That guy had some hair, and that guy had some uh, issues. Uh, all nice issues with uh did, i'm looking through his pictures right now and yeah did he drop the m-bomb didn't he get suspended for dropping the m-bomb he like stepped on the back of a guy's leg with a skate like he he, he was something I, I i think i'm remembering that actually i think he may have gotten oh, i gotta look it up now look that up now too but yeah that was the all game. i know is in one of these pictures he straight up looks like andrew wk <laughs> oh yeah no he did have hair he definitely had a, a fair amount of hair that was a uh, got that nice hockey flow going on. Uh, I did. I thought of another game. Uh, a fire. I'm looking up Peter Morell, like times Peter Morell had to go through uh, having racial slurs thrown at him, and apparently Chris Gratton was involved in a situation. I don't remember that. I don't know if you remember that. Good old Chris Gratton. Yeah, but apparently, like even Warrell came out and said he didn't say it. It was just uh, some shoddy reporting. Some shoddy reporting by a Flyers beat writer, which is, I can't, that's unfathomable to me. I, I can't believe that. Um, yeah, I thought of another game. Uh, the In the 2010 season, the Flyers had a home-and-home home with the Canadians wow. right before the Olympic break. And I went, me and a couple of my buddies in college went to the the home game of it. And the Flyers won three to nothing. We sat right next to I like some Montreal bro, and I say that because he had a half jersey on and then a backwards uh, Expos hat on, and had the uh, like the bro walk and had you know I don't know, and that's literally the only combination a Montreal bro could have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's why I felt weird saying it because I don't think any other combination exists. So he, you know, they're down three nothing. He's not saying too much. They score the first goal. He doesn't even stand up. And then when they make it three to two, he just like stands up. He's like, yeah. And he starts like, like flexing next to me and like screaming at me and my buddy. And I'm just like, I was like, all right. I I mean, you're still losing. I don't know what to tell you. And then the end of the game, at the end of the game, there's like a huge line brawl and all these USA chants start breaking out. And everybody just turns and looks at the two guys next to me and they just start yelling like the USA chants at them. <laughs> And I think that was, I think that's like the only time I really usually try not to get too involved with uh, stuff, like to uh, just run away from it at all possible, scream for help, call the police immediately if there's any chance at a uh, at a physical altercation. Excuse me, sir. They're yelling at me at a sports game. I can't defend myself. Please, somebody come and help. That's usually how my uh, my sporting events go. But we can talk about how this team, uh, I, I don't know, used to be fun going the games, and then you watch a game like Monday night, and uh, sweet Jesus. I can't. Well, so many, <laughs> as I was saying, yeah. I, went to, I went to Saturday's game, which was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, so and then, yeah. And then a game like Monday happens and it's just another listless yeah. Just boss. horrible. Yeah, I uh, team is I, I mean they're not very good right now. I think they still have a chance to be good. But I think they definitely have a chance to be good, but the problem is I don't know, man. In the short term, they're just tough to watch. There's a lot of issues. We the forward death was supposed to be uh kind of a, a strength of this team, right? Yeah. And now it's it's middling at best. The defense was supposed to be up and coming, and they've just played like horse shit. And the goaltending has been barely existent. Yeah. Um, and the four depth, I, I think Hackstall is going to get a pass because of the JVR injury and now the raffle injury and Patrick who missed a couple games. And I think they're going to use that as an excuse. Um, but like the, you know, the defense is still just the top pairing. Ghost has had decent games, but he's just overall inconsistent. Uh, Foline has had two good games, and then the rest of the season has been absolutely atrocious. And Ivan Provorov's had what one good game? The I, Devils game? I and even in the Devils game, in the first and second period, he had the opening shifts, and in both those periods, he had unforced errors for turnovers in the defensive zone. Like he hasn't played a full uh, game without a full game where he looks like himself. And, I mean, the Devils game was his best game, I thought, because he at least was jumping up and getting chances. I felt like Drew set him up for, like, uh, for four or five chances where Provorov had to kind of get off the blue line and move into the slot or move into the uh, the middle of the circle for a scoring chance, which he did. And then maybe didn't get the best shots off, but at least he was showing some confidence and getting involved in the play, which is more than you could say for the rest of his season so far. And I think the more – I think the more – I mean, Sandheim is playing really good. I think he was the best player in the game on Monday. And it's upsetting that he is holding up his part of the bargain, which was the top pairing was going to kill it, and then he was going to drag whoever he had to play with to be a good top four uh, defenseman the Flyers would have. Like, he would be the three, and he would make whoever was the four into a passable pairing with them. And him and Gudis together have been pretty good. It, the underlying numbers have been good. They've looked good passing the eye test. Overall, they look great. And if they had any, if the top pairing was even half of what they've been for the last year, the the team defensively wouldn't look that bad. They did. I felt like they did limit uh, transitional chances this week. So something we were talking after the Blue Jackets game and the Devils game, they gave up almost no chances on the rush. I, I think the Devils, the last, the first one I picked up on was about 11 minutes into the second period. And even that got muted out to an extent. Because uh, it, it used to, for a while, it was the, it wasn't just the odd man rushes. It was the other team had clear breaks from like their own blue line. And it was a three on two and nobody was catching up. And they could just figure out what to do from their own blue line into the offensive zone. It was absurd. But I feel like that hasn't happened at all since the Blue Jackets game. Yeah, and here's the thing. The 5-on-5 defense, it hasn't been great, but that's not where most of the damage is being done. It's the penalty kill. The penalty kill is just absolutely horrible, and there's no signs of it improving. It's currently at 68.8%. 
It's second to last in the NHL. It's a minor miracle that it's not dead last. In fact, I kind of wish it was dead last. So we could just point to Dave Haxtell and Ron Haxtell and say, guys, this is literally the worst penalty kill in the NHL. Yeah. And Hextall, so Hextall had a bunch of quotes yesterday uh, at practice, and he, somebody asked him about the penalty kill, and he said, uh, quote, visually, our penalty killing has been better. It's been a lot better than last year. Now the numbers obviously don't show that. It looks so horrible. So there's an issue there. I will say, okay, so it does look absolutely terrible. I still think they are doing a better job. The only thing they're good at is they're better at, keeping the play at the other end of the ice at times which is still not even like a great like it doesn't matter because they're still the numbers are still shit so that just means when the other teams actually set up in the zone they're somehow doing worse than they did last year which is like mind-blowing that makes no sense because last year completely mind-blowing they let brian boyle jog on into the 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 circle and just rip one home that that Devils, the, the yeah, the game you went to, the Devils penalty kill, uh, they, they gave up two power play goals to the Devils on three chances. And then Colorado scored one on on a, a pair of chances they had. So the penalty kill this week was 40%. 40%. The Devils did not, the Devils did not do anything in that game besides on the power play. Yeah, and it wasn't anything spectacular. It wasn't, it's the, it it's was the standard. Devils. Yeah, like the Devils have a, the Devils had a, higher ranked power play than I think most people would think. I think they were top 10 last year. Like, they were 8th or ninth, But it's still the, the Devils. Like, it was Damon Severson on a cross-ice pass. That shouldn't have happened. And then Brian Boyle just kind of looked around and was like, oh, nobody's going to pressure me? Alright, I'm going to waltz on in and take a shot from the middle of the circle. But it, it's just... that. Also, that line about uh, it doesn't look as good as the numbers or it looks better than the numbers would indicate that's a fine line if the penalty kill was like a top five unit last year or has had years of success and they're off to a really bumpy start and everybody's like what the hell is going on there that line would be acceptable if you said that this this power penalty kill has been terrible for half a decade now they don't get i don't think they should get the excuse of well they look better than the numbers indicate because the, the, it doesn't matter how good it's looked, it's always ended up with the puck going on in the back of the net. That first power play goal uh, against the Avalanche was terrible. Uh, Foleen fell over. Brian Elliott had two rebounds that nobody could clear out for him. That the Avalanche were just, they just took it to him on that power play. And they just sit back and take it. They don't attack. They just literally they sit need, back and wait yeah. for the puck. It's disgusting. They, yeah, they need to. I don't understand why they think why LaPerriere thinks it's all right to have uh, the, the guys stay off the guys on the, the the sideboards and just let them pass it to the guy in the middle of the middle of the crease or in the middle of the slot, because you're not going <laughs> to intercept those passes. You got to pressure those guys along the boards. That, that's what happens every single time the Flyers play a team that's aggressive to them in the offensive zone. That's when they struggle most. You give Giroux time and space like most oh, he's great players. Apart. Yeah. Like most great players in the league. He's gonna he's gonna make you pay for it, and I don't understand why they don't just look at the Flyers power play and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's happening to us at the other end of the rink." There's no excuse. All the Flyers had to do on Saturday was look to win. They were on the power play, and the Devils were attacking them every chance they got. The Flyers got a ton of power plays in that game. They, it's a miracle yeah. that it wasn't ten to two, but yeah, the, the Devils attacked the Flyers when they were on the penalty kill. And as a result, they were more successful. They weren't completely successful, but they were more successful. Yeah, I, I mean. And the Flyers have a good power play. 
They have yeah, they do. talented players that know how to work on the power play. It's, in fact, probably the strongest area of operation for the Skyrim Flyers team. And it's just, it it blows my mind. It blows my mind. And you always want to give guys the benefit of the doubt, right? If they're in a coaching position. Yeah. You don't want to say, you know, Ron Hextall was uh, chippy when he was a player, so he's just going to get aggressive fighter guys. That's obviously not the case. Ian LaPerriere made his bread and butter blocking shots. And literally, he's just telling his guys on the PK to block shots. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's actually... I, I don't know. That at least seems to be the scheme they're employing. Sit back, wait for the shot, try to block the shot, which is a miserable failure. Yeah, that and also I, I think Charlie was talking about too, that apparently the the coaching tactic is to just try and take away the pass into the slot or the the low home plate area, which is just, it's not you're not you're working with against the best passers in the world in the end it, like it's just not a thing they're going to figure out a way to get it past you you need to take away their time and space and i don't and every year you just get more talented passers in the nhl yeah and, and i mean i wrote i think i wrote the first article pretty much saying the penalty kill is completely the Perrier's fault i know charlie had a really extensive look i'm pretty sure isaac had something last year about it too I think I wrote about it in, I think it was December of last year where I was pretty much, I just said, look, the players have changed, the forwards have changed, the skaters have changed, the goalie has changed. It's been going on for a decade. It hasn't looked good. There's only been one constant with this penalty kill, and it's the, it's the, the penalty kill coach, and I feel like he needs to go. And then, of course, Charlie was able to explain it better uh, analytically and so forth, but I mean, I think that's pretty succinct. I think that gets to the point. Yeah. And, if and we're still the here. personnel changes and the scheme's the same, well, that's easy math. Yeah, and I, I don't understand. I It's confusing, too, because the, the argument used to be, well, he might suck as a penalty kill coach, but he, he plays a big role with, uh, you know, getting younger players acclimated with the league because that was a whole thing where he was pretty good with developing young talent or, like, being able to teach and communicate with the younger players to get the message across. And if you're not going to play younger players, then is what, why? I mean, I mean Burby has been on the bench. Uh, Limblom is like the only guy on the roster who is a really. Are you I, talking about as far as playing the PK goes? No, oh, no, no. I'm talking about like the playing the young kids. The, the PK. I Because I, 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 they're playing young kids still. I mean, yeah, they've, yeah, got, yeah. they've got plenty of young kids. Yeah, but, but it, it, the fact of the be. matter is, as far as LaPerriere goes, like, there's literally no reason to keep him at this point. No. I, I, look, I'm sure he's the nicest guy on the planet, but it, nice guys aren't winning your hockey games. You need to get somebody in there. I'm sure there's a, a coach out there who can both be good with young talent and be good at coaching a penalty kill. Yeah. And the, the other thing, too, was uh, the I, I think an, an argument that can be made is that Hextall knows that he doesn't have forwards that are capable of being successful on the penalty kill. Like he doesn't have those players that are able to successfully kill penalties outside of maybe like Scott Lawton. Sean Couturier. Yeah. Well, and it's players that also play on the power play. So I just want to really wear them down. But if that's the argument, I, I think my argument would be then why do you have a fourth line? You can't have a fourth line that's role-based with players like Dale Weiss, Laterra, and now Corbin Knight, and not have successful penalty killers. Like, the fourth right. line needs to be, if you're going to fill up 
one fourth of your your forward depth with with plugs who have no chance of scoring goals, they at least need to be able to at least block the shots or race out to the the point and alter shots and do things on the penalty kill to take away. I mean, we're talking about one third of the phase of the game where the Flyers are absolutely horrendous for over like five years now, where they just concede goals. And it's, and the other thing is they changed the power play coach, and the power play wasn't yeah, a problem. No, <laughs> I think you have one. Mullen had like one mediocre season, right? And then Knobloch came in. Knobloch, by the way, who we haven't heard shit from since he came here last year. He hasn't really been. I feel like he hasn't really been implementing anything too crazy on the power play or doing anything too noticeable it looks like the same power play they've employed for years yeah and i i got excited last year which is fine it works yeah early in the season last year they're doing things that and and i'll I'll go off on this too because bill was talking about it but like nolan patrick was below the goal line for a few power plays to set up chances they're getting a lot of plays from behind the net into the slot or across the ice and those are plays that they're high-end plays that work, and uh, you, you need skilled players to do it. And the Flyers, I think, I think this team is skilled. I, I just don't. It's it's a system. Like I, I feel, I this watched, team has at least three lines of skilled players. Yeah, and, and I mean, when you have, you have Giroux and half their defense, half their defense is skilled players. Giroux, Gossespier, and I would argue Voracek are game-breaking guys. Where if you give them the puck and more times than not, they're going to be able to make something out of nothing. And they just, I feel like they get muted a lot of the time because of the way that the system works. And I was watching the, the Leafs bill said it this week. And he always, I know he's been harping on this for a while, but the Flyers need to get more chances from below the goal line. You need to make the goalie look over his shoulder and, and, just move from side to side. You get the goalie moving. That's when, I mean, Eddie Olchuk says that all the time too, but if you get the goalie moving, it's going to, you're going to make his job harder and make him sweat a little bit. Yeah. I'm watching the Leafs jets game. The Leafs were up three, nothing. The jets got two goals in like a two minute span. Both their goals came from passes below the goal line across the ice and setting up a chance. It was a, uh, Ehlers and Nikolai Ehlers scored, on a pass from below the goal line to the, the crease. And then I think Blake Wheeler scored on a pass from below the goal line on the power play. You, you, you pass around behind the net and you just, I mean, the, 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 the space is there. They give you that part of the ice. So you got to utilize it. I feel like the Flyers are just, they're getting back to. <laughs> last it feels week, very stale. Yeah. It all feels incredibly stale. Last week, that whole thing last week, I said about maybe this is the Flyers trying to transition to more high danger chances and everything. Uh, wrong. Absolutely wrong. Because, I, I mean, this is, I think them going back to getting the puck to the point of shooting is what's leading also to some of the transitional chances. And it's, they don't do anything below the goal line. And it all, it is all just, I mean, the Sandheim goal on Monday was a shot from the point that Nolan Patrick somehow redirected in. And all that happens is the three guys crash a net. There's no passing. There's no moving the puck across the ice. It's all along the boards and it's all hoping to get the puck back to the point to see Sandheimer goes like overshot. And I mean, that's not the worst thing in the world, but when it's your offensive play in the offensive zone, every single time, it's a problem. Right. And well, honestly, look at the two goals that the Voracek Patrick line 
uh, produced on Sun or on Saturday, right? Yeah. Um, the first goal, beautiful, beautiful pass from Vorchek to Patrick across the crease. Great. Attacking. Awesome. And then the other one, Voracek just took it into his own damn hands and slammed it home. Yeah. Well, I, and both those chances were on the rush. I, I think the rush, it, it, that's where they need to capitalize more. And I don't know if they, I, I feel like some games, if they don't get chances on the rush, they don't get any kind of chances at all. And I feel like it's a hundred percent true. And that's they're what happened completely on too reliant on the rush, frankly, Yeah. which is why as you and, uh, and Bill were saying you need to get more of those behind the goal line passes, more of those yeah. kind of uh, those attempts in the offensive zone. They're not being creative in the offensive zone. And that's why people find this team boring to watch. That's why people are frustrated with this team. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, if you're just talking about like odds and chances, you're not going to get too. you're definitely going to get rush chances every single game. But you are going to get far more time with the puck in the offensive zone. It's a lot easier to bank on a method that you will succeed if you if you build it around time in the offensive zone rather than needing a certain amount of rushes to actually convert. I, this, so there's no excuse. Are they even trying to excuse the penalty kill anymore? Have we heard like a an argument? I mean, I listed one that uh, I, uh, not Bill Matz, but uh, Bill Rourke from the site brought up today that maybe Hexall just concedes the fact that they don't have great uh, penalty killers suited to, to kill penalties. And they don't want to run guys down like they did in like 08, 09, where it was like Mike Richards, Carter, Knubel, and um, oh my God, who's the fourth guy? That that just played all three phases of the game and got worn down by the postseason. But, I mean, honestly, though, I think you got to do what you got to do right now. Yeah, right or now. Or else you're not yeah. even going to make the damn postseason. Yeah. And uh, it's frustrating, man. And look, they, if you don't have that talent, don't just throw crap out there. Yeah, that's what. And I, yeah. And yeah, <laughs> it's really what it comes down to. They, cause they need something. They need to do something. I don't know if I feel like all the pair errors done these last five years has been, and maybe this is it, or maybe it's just me picking up on something that I didn't try and focus on picking up on last year, but the, you know, every once in a while just holding the puck down the offensive zone and the penalty kill or pressuring a guy and actually getting turnovers outside of the defensive zone on the penalty kill. I don't know if that's something that's started to work more this season or if that was, that's always been a thing, but I just decided to, you know, pick up on it now, but whatever's happening, it's just, it's not, it's not working, but I, I, I think we need to talk about Haxtell too, I guess. I, there, there are a bunch of problems with this team, and I, I listen them all down here, Steve. And we'll, we'll go through. We talk about the penalty kill. So, the, the question is: Do you think these problems will correct themselves by season's end, or do you think they're still going to be a huge problem? So, the penalty kill. I think we're both in agreement. <laughs> We've been talking about it for five years. It's definitely not going to yeah, be. It's going to be. It's going to be shit. It's probably going to be. I kind of feel like it's going to be in the thirties. It's going to be thirty or thirty-first, and I would be, I will be shocked if it's anything higher than 20 yeah and how do you point to that how do you point to that's a yeah. bottom two penalty kill and justify that i it, it blows yeah. my mind it, and then uh so Proverov, we talked about Proverov and, and ghost do you think 
do you think those two problems are going to correct themselves by the end of the year? Or do you think Provost is going to struggle the entire year? And do you think I, Ghost is going to be inconsistent all year? I mean, I think Ghost will be fine. I'm not, I think Ghost I'm not is that fine. worried I'm about not really Ghost. Worried about Ghost uh, Provy's, Provy's got me a little concerned, but I think that course corrects itself. I think he's got a case of the yips or some confidence issue or yeah. maybe a nagging minor injury. Just something yeah. that's that's got him a little off, and I think that'll work itself out by season's end. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping it's an injury that we all aren't picking up on, like any of the beat writers can't pick up on practice either. I really hope it's not a mental thing, because if it's a mental thing, then it's not... I mean, he's young. Yeah. That's, I, I know it sounds lame to say, but he's young, and he didn't really have a sophomore slump, so I wonder if this is more of a junior uh, slump. If you uh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, it's just he... Yeah, he just looks just looks unsure of himself every single time he gets the puck. And he had that play he had against the, uh, he sprung the, the Voracek hole uh, against the, against the devils. But even that, I don't think he didn't really even look intentional. I just kind of got lucky that a devil didn't catch it on the uh, sideboards there. I'll give him some credit. I'll give him credit. We'll give him credit. He deserves a, a little bit of a, uh, he, he needs some, some help right now. Yeah. Poor guy. Uh, but no, I, I, I have confidence in his talent that, he'll overcome eventually okay and then another issue and i want to reiterate by the way that i really don't care about first goals but uh it happens eight out of nine games it kind of becomes a fucking thing especially when your team looks like ass coming out of the gate every well, they single come out flat-footed every game every and every single game they look like they're not ready to play an nhl game and it, it it's blows indicative my mind. of that problem it's indicative of that problem yeah. having you know being down a goal to start out is always going to be daunting to your team it's not good for the confidence and it's just shitty don't do it yeah uh, so come out strong do you think do you think that'll correct by season's end or do you think they're gonna have i'm, I'm like not, they're definitely they, gonna, they're gonna have to change a coaching attitude they're gonna have to change preparation uh, and i don't really have confidence in hack to do that he's currently got a shit sandwich that he's laying out there yeah. and that's pretty much what we're dealing with so yeah, I don't. I don't think it's going to correct itself either. I'm sure they're going to have, you know, they're not going to have slow starts 82 times this season. Maybe they will, but I. They're going to have nights where they come out and they're going to be on fire and they're going to get up. Uh, some random games for up like three nothing, eight minutes in or something dumb. But more right. I mean, not, it feels though like it's going it to feels like. Season. Well, here's the thing. It feels like we're asking the Flyers to play 60 minutes, right? But it, it feels like they can't even play 40 right now. Yeah. They're really producing in the middle and they're not doing much on the either end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, even on Monday night, the only time they looked good was after the Patrick goal, there was a push. There was a serious push where it felt like they were going to make it three to two and then actually make it a game, but quickly got canceled out by the, I think ghost got injured. Ghost went down. Ghost is fine. Uh, Michael raffle got injured. Which we'll talk about too, but. Okay, so then he's that leads. He, he, yeah, he's not good. Uh, do you. What, what about Hackstall? Do you think Hackstall actually makes positive. What. Do you think there's any chance Hackstall is going to be let go this season? Do you think when this season is done, Dave Hackstall is going to be the head coach? And I know this is a thing that's always talked about, and I know people have been calling for his head for years now. At this point, though, 
when you keep seeing these decisions made and you keep seeing the slow starts and you keep seeing the the lack of I guess excitement around the team and the lack of offensive creativity and the and you know the team feels this, right? You you know yeah. the team feels that people aren't excited about it because the team spent a ton in the offseason between bringing in Gritty and <laughs> also just look at all the presentation differences around the arena this year. They redid the upper concourse. There's a lot of different presentation stuff that wasn't there before. They're trying to appear more fun to fans. But with Flyers fans, what you need to be more fun is just have some spark in your game. Yeah, and actually be good. And that, I, that's why I talked about that one-on-one thing last week because they knew they needed they need to do something to try and help to get hacks on the fan sides. And in, rather than him talking about how his coaching has been successful and what he's doing to help the team to a winning record, because heads up, he's not. They're like, hey, Dave, why don't you unbutton your shirt and talk real chill to us like you're a real cool dad. And I mean, uh, meanwhile, we've got Peter Laviolette. Uh, fucking wearing know, a making, mask yeah i was gonna say wearing a mask what what kind of mask was that again i think was it was bull? yeah i think it was a bull mask and he said if his team i think if, if you they win the first two games of the west coast trip he would wear a mask and then he did and i just i mean yeah i'm looking at the stuff from uh like i was saying that 2010 series against the bruins and i'm trying to do as much research as i can about that that time out and it was just Haxall just doesn't have that kind of command on his bench. And I just feel like they, each team Laviolette has gone to, they've had crazy offensive creativity. And I know the Flyers may have had some more creative guys on the team or more offense players with offensive upside back in uh, the late teens. But I mean, at the same time, if you look at the team he had a few years ago, though, uh, the Yager team. What, what oh, are you yeah. looking at, you know, like, because what do you have? Your first line's incredible, right? The Hartnell, Drew, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then what's your second line on that team? I'm trying to remember. JVR, but like even then he wasn't truly. No, JVR was pretty. I think he had 20 goals that season. So, I mean, he had JVR. Uh, he did have Simmons and Shen, but they weren't really Simmons and Shen yet. Right. And frankly, that was when Shen still didn't look totally comfortable doing his thing yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the thing is, like, I don't know. I, I feel like there is offensive creativity to be found on this team. Oh, no, there is. Um, no, 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 there is. I'm saying LaViolette would be a guy that would tap into that. I feel oh, like yeah. Haxtell. Absolutely. I, I don't know. I just feel like Haxtell is just draining it. I think he's draining all excitement out of this team. Yeah, and, again, this is... Very sad because I'm a guy who's very much been a give hack a chance guy. Yeah, this has been a process of giving him a chance, and he is it's fucking done, man. We're like, done. It's over. We're, I can't give him any more chances, man. Go back to one of whatever Dakota you're from and call it a day. Because what a slam! <laughs> I don't care what fucking Dakota you came from, but you can Just go, go back, back there. to Dakota. It doesn't matter which one. A Dakota is fun. That's like the that's the move when you're talking. You're trying to. uh out macho guy and you slightly say his name wrong so then he's like he knows my fucking name it's something different <laughs> like if i was just like okay stan and you're like you know my name's fucking steve what do you don't do that <laughs> just letting you know, just letting you know that he doesn't care enough to know your first name yeah but That's i true. mean i don't care enough to know which dakota you're from <laughs> i don't care carson wentz is from you're from what i don't care 
go to Carson's home or go to Goddard's home. Just get the fuck out of here. But GTFO. Uh, so this has been we have tried to really try to lay off the fire of the coach mentality. But forget it because what well okay, so here here's a here's what I'm talking about for this week. This is an exact quote. These are words that this man has said. And we were talking about how the San I was talking about how the San Angudas pairing was good. And I think Isaac Davis asked him about getting more playing time. And he said, quote, they've been a real solid staple for us. We want to continue. We need a little bit better play out of some of the other guys back there, but that's not the reason to increase and change the role of the guys that are going pretty well. So to recap, Sanheim and Guters are doing very well. The other four guys, pretty iffy, but we can't give Sanheim and Guters more playing time. Because stuff. Because of things. For reasons. Yeah, for reasons. Why the fuck can't you just play? I, I don't. I, that blows my mind. If a player is playing well, you play them more. Like this goes into the whole one Haxel. One Haxel's losing in the third period, and he still rolls out the fourth line for no reason. And the only it's time Yuri Laterita. <laughs> the only time I've ever seen him in that Florida game when the first line was killing it, he kept throwing the Drew line out there, and it's like this is great, Dave. You do this every single game, people aren't going to be on you. Like, just, right. like, it just blows my mind that he does this stupid shit. Well, he's the king of the turtle tactic, right? It's, yeah. Oh, you, yeah. That's another yeah, thing, too. That you're right ahead, keep pouring it on. And Dave's like, nah, let's put a magic shell all over this. You know what? Everybody hates magic shell. I'm sorry. Just be hot well, fun. Uh, somebody finally said it. I mean, we were all thinking. Calling it. out magic shell. This is an important day. I put it in the outline in a, a twenty-eight size font. I was like, can you please lose your fucking shit? <laughs> can you take off your shirt and start screaming about? <laughs> Let's talk about desserts, folks. <laughs> uh, While I'm at it, Almond Joy, you suck. Oh, there he is. There's the Steve I know. Just, just sticking it to lamestream media. Just let him know. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, but yeah, that's the thing that even hasn't even come up this year because the team doesn't get leads. Although they did it, no, I. Uh, they had a lead on. Did they, they lead on Saturday? Lead. Did they lead yeah. on Saturday? Yeah, and then they blew. yeah they they had a two to one lead, and then they had a a penalty kill. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then that's that's her in the situation as we know. But it, it's just things like you know that. what I really enjoyed about Saturday, by the way, uh, was the uh, the wheel line. Was straight killing it for most of the game at five oh on God, five. Yeah. But then Wheel takes four penalties. Sure, Wheel in the takes game. yeah. He's taken three, took three penalties on Saturday, and then I remember putting in my notes for the Avs Flyers game. I was like, "Is Wheel more disciplined?" And the fucker gets a penalty like three minutes into the game and they get scored on. And of course, oh my God! And of course, in this system, if you take penalties, Hexel's going to remember it. You want to know why? Because this PK gets scored on every other goddamn penalty kill. So if you take a penalty. If you take a penalty, you're going to be labeled uh, undisciplined because it's very memorable when you take a penalty because it means we're about to get scored on. And Jordan Wheel, right. I th- I think Jordan Wheel, one of them was the embellishment call, which was kind of. Oh, that. What drives me nuts about the embellishment call? Either call the actual penalty or, don't or call, call the it. embellishment. Yeah. Don't call both. Yeah, that yeah, that's always bugged me too. Because what's the point? Like, what's it, the point? Yeah. <laughs> what's the deal? But, What's the deal with the embellishment call? Yeah, but either call a penalty or don't. <laughs> I've I've felt the same way though. If you're 
Which, in that case, if Wheel just got called for embellishment, I would have uh, screamed. I don't know. Like, I, that would have been that would have been insanity if he just got called for that, which is, I guess, maybe why they don't do it. But still, four penalties in two games is pretty... It's not great, especially for this team. Like, you need to do it when there's one of those like shots fired moments where it looks like there's a sniper in the rafters and he's taken out a guy <laughs> <laughs> when there's no stick to be found near him. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. And that obviously was not, I mean, that was not that at all, which is. No, he clearly, that was a hook, right? Yeah. And I think he was clearly hooked. I could tell from the nosebleeds. I'm trying to think of the, uh, I think the Flyers got scored on the other few times he's in the penalty box. I'm trying to think of what the, but, I mean, special teams on Saturday just sucked all around because the penalty kill was bad, and then the Flyers scored a power play goal. And it was a power play two, right? Power play two. Uh, connecting shot was fine, but like an argument can be made that Kincaid could have made a little better of a save attempt there. And also... I will say, though, Kincaid kind of killed it otherwise in that game. Yeah, Kincaid has quietly had a couple good seasons uh, in Jersey. Annoyingly, uh, and then they had the, the Flyers. You just love Duncan on that dude. <laughs> Fucking Keith Kincaid. No, I got nothing against Keith Kincaid. It's more the Devils are. I just hate the Devils because they don't. I don't get because they're the Devils. Yeah, the, the Devils, and of course they're doing another thing now where they have a they're have a good record so far, but there's no like reason rhyme or reason to it. Yeah, it's just that it's because the ghost of devil's past just apparently just carry this team to be annoyingly good for no no reason at all uh thank you can Kate living that out by being a pretty good i mean nothing against keith and kate i mean they they found a goalie who you can talk you can talk shit on keith Kincaid. i'm cool with it all right keith if you're listening to this <laughs> this flyers podcast uh which we know you are yeah which we know you are uh kick rocks got him ducked on Boom roasted. Boom. <laughs> Boom roasted. Uh, but okay, so going back to Haxall, going back to uh, explain why Haxall once again needs to be fired. Do we have to? Yeah, yeah. The, the good Sandheim Goodest thing, and then the lines. So uh, three six mafia, of course. Three six mafia. Yeah. Uh, Michael Raffles <laughs> out with a broken ankle <laughs> for four to six weeks. I think you mean lower body injury because we can't have specifics about an injury. Thank you. You're right. Yeah, classic case of LBI. He's out. So everybody's favorite scapegoat, Michael Raffle, which I will never understand. Perfectly acceptable bottom six forward, and people just like you know I hate Michael Raffle. Uh oh. Well, I mean, when you what about that really edgy thing he said this week? That push everybody. Over? Oh man. Can we? Let me tell you. Okay. What an asshole. This guy comes out and he has the nerve to say, wait, 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 wait. We got to, if parents, if your kids are listening, please, it's time to put them to bed or just turn out the podcast. We don't want to ruin any young listeners uh, mentalities about the game or life itself. Okay. uh, Steve, please continue with what he said. Okay. So this asshole, this Michael Raffle, this jerk, he has the nerve to say, once this crowd gets going, it's a huge push for us. Now, in this the climate that is America today, I can't believe he came out and said this because I mean, I, you know, it's just the most inflammatory statement. Yeah, I mean, what a complete moron! I can't believe it didn't headline CNN. Put it, uh, but you know, it's a whole. 
you know, daily news it's plastered <laughs> all over it. Just yeah. awful raffle. Literally that's it. the most mundane, run of the mill. And uh, of it course, just, you know, once <laughs> basically saying, you know, once this crowd really gets into it, then it'll be like fun. Basically saying, hey, guess what? It's a little quiet, and I think they acknowledge that the play has kind of been a little lower, also. And yeah, yeah, it's really mundane. The Flyers' Twitter's like the nerve on the the balls on Michael Raffle, the yeah. gall of this man <laughs> to call us out for not being loud enough. Boo! Yeah, it's just everybody. I think everybody's just anything the Flyers do now. I think people just want to lose their collective shit over, which is I I get. I get because it's it's really painful right now. And I get. It's I, I don't get it. I don't get. It. I don't have the energy for this shit. Come on, <laughs> this is the most mundane statement possible, guys. This is so oh, no, just. No, 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 no. This is yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm on a rant here. Let me. Oh, okay, okay. Um, right. It's just this is such a mundane statement, such a run of the mill regular statement. Give me a break, guys. Come on. Do we have to over everything? Give it a break. Who's got the time? Flyers Twitter's got the time, baby. So that's what, uh, no, I agree. I mean, this was a nothing statement and people just want to yell about everything now. And that's why, I mean, I, I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't see the point of going on there anymore. It's got the time right. Yeah. Like it's just, it's just, you don't have to get outraged about anything. Go work on your TPS reports instead. So my, Let's go to Flingers. I'll get around. <laughs> Michael Raffalo out four to six weeks. So, okay, you, your villain's gone. You happy? So this coming in for him. Honestly, he's one of the more effective bottom six forwards on this team. He's a guy who's responsible with the puck. Generally, a decent player. It, it, it's a shame. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm fine with it. I really don't, I don't think it's like an end of the world injury. I mean, it's a long time, and it means that I, I, I think we're going to see more Corbin Knight, which maybe isn't uh, exactly ideal. But I really don't think. I really don't have any Corbin feelings. Corbin Knight is going to save this franchise. Thank you. <laughs> I really don't have any feelings about. So, Craig, I was thinking Corbin about. Right I was thinking about Corbin Knight earlier. Why? And no, no. <laughs> I I was thinking about Corbin Knight. Just laying on a couch, closing your eyes. <laughs> Corbin Knight. I love that hockey Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. No, I was thinking about Corbin Knight. I was thinking about this fan base's frustration with the team. And guys like Corbin Knight mm-hmm. uh, being a contributing factor to that frustration. Um, because I, you know, when a guy like Knight is going to sub in for Raffle, I think people get frustrated because they know there's more exciting talent down there in the depths of the organization. Yeah. And they're not going to get that chance because they're going to go to a role player. This is very much uh, pre-Hextall kind of mentality. Paul Holmgren essentially stocked the Phantoms with just Corbin Knights all over the place, right? Just these fourth liners. Then that's pretty much all the Phantoms were used for for a while, was just this fourth third liner mill that would come up and replace the talent at the bottom of the lineup, and occasionally you'd get a gem that would play in the top six. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. And I, I think that actually goes to a lot of the reason why people are pissed off because if you like a situation like this comes up, they've made a big deal about Mikhail Vorobiev not playing and Hackdall even said, Oh, he's going to come back in. And apparently the first reaction for raffle being out was to put Corbin Knight in. 
And then to get Verobia back in the lineup, apparently you need to take out Oscar Lindblom, which is the new thing. And I, I think if you just at the fourth doesn't line, doesn't even make sense. Yeah, if the fourth line was uh, Verobiev, Nak, and Taylor Lear, I don't think people would be losing their shit as much. I no, think it would I don't be think so. And yeah, well, I, the other thing I was going to say on that is I don't understand why Lindblom would be the scapegoat here because know. his line's I, been playing well. Because his line's been him. Wheel and uh, boy, I'm forgetting here. Connect me, yeah. and I, I really thought that line played well They're on Saturday, well. and yeah, and the other games they played in, and uh, you know, the Patrick Voracek Lawton lines had their moments, but they haven't been the most consistent. And you know, you know, what you're going to get out of Giroux and Couturier and Simmons up there, but yeah. I actually thought the wheel lines looked really good. The wheel line looked really good. I believe they were together against the Panthers. They looked really good in that game. They were the best line against the Blue Jackets, which who cares? Uh, and then they were really good <laughs> against the against the Devils. They were had a seventy five Corsi four percentage, and then against the uh, or no, they had seventy five Corsi four percentage over these last two games. They were ninety two point eighty six against the Devils, and then they were fifty seven point one four against the the Avalanche. So they've been they've been pretty much just keeping the play on the other end of the ice, and they've been creating chances. And yeah, I mean, I. It it makes Hackstall sense. It doesn't make sense. It makes Hackstall sense because you can't scratch. Tax world. We're just living in it. Yeah, baby. Uh, Vorobiev is expected to be a top nine player. I believe is what he said. Top nine forward. So you can't scratch any of the bums on the fourth line. And if you're going to take somebody out, I mean, it would kind of make sense to take out Wheel because he can't stop taking penalties. And you know those are goals in the bank against... But at the same time, his line's been playing well. So yeah, and then <laughs> he and you're not going to take anybody on that top line of uh, Giroux, Couturier, and Simmons, and you're not taking out Voracek, and you're not taking out Patrick. So you're left with what Wheel, Limblom, and Lawton. Lawton's probably been your best. Bit, Lawton's been best solid surprise. this year. Yeah, not not surprised. He's been like their most yeah reliable, solid player all year. Still a guy that. You know, he's not going to be explosive or dynamic, but still, he's looked amazing for what he is supposed to be all, all season. He's doing his job. He's doing it well. Yeah, doing it, doing it, doing it well. Doing but, it, yeah. doing it, doing now, it well. I, it, so then it comes down to... a song about Scott Lawton. <laughs> it comes down to wheel. Nothing sexier than Scott Lawton <laughs> and his serial killer look. Yeah, I was going to say, we have to say that, because if not, he's he's going to hum us down. We are legally obligated. I feel like we're pretty safe from the scope of Scott Lawton's murder spree since we are the podcast that has asked for him to be the second line center. And it's document well documented that we don't stop repeatedly that. screamed for him yeah. to be the second line center. We're like, who is this Nolan Patrick character? <laughs> he came out of nowhere. He doesn't deserve this. It should be big lots. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> uh, I think the top line, uh, what's the top line going to be? So, Vorobiev, Wheel, Simmons looks like one line. Uh, Lawton, I mean, Lawton, Limblom, and Voracek did skate together, so I'm not sure. Uh, Lawton, Voracek, and I guess, I don't know who would fill in for him, maybe. I mean, uh, Konechny, I guess? No, Konechny was on the top line with Katori and Drew. Yeah. So Voracek, you forgetting Skoracek? No, it'd be uh, Lawton and Voracek. I'm, I'm forgetting who'd be on his side if Limblom is out. Well, it'd be 
It wouldn't be nice. Would you just keep Lott and Patrick Voracek together? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that'll be it. I don't know why they put this in the notes then. Just to confuse me on this podcast. Just to confuse you. You wrote the notes. And then, no, no, the, I, I, cut and fa- I cut and paste this from the uh, notes on the Flyers website for the quotes. Uh, okay. That's why it's a different Flame font. others. I see how It's it another font. So maybe if you paid attention. It's another font. Oh, <laughs> Let me push my glasses. Uh, and then uh, the, the fourth line is what gets the people going with uh, the Corbin Knight, Dale Weiss, and Yuri Letera. Don't make me fucking cry on this podcast. I'm sorry, <laughs> This is a this is the shed a tear for the flyers. The worst, cast. the I'm, worst threat. I'm Steve Chico. This is great foresight. We're Don't just going to be weepy about the flyers for, for the next hour. We're going to play some calming uh, rain sounds in the background. Uh, another thing. So on Verobia, by the way, if you'll notice, this found it different. Uh, Hextall said, "Quote: He needs to execute better than he was. He needs to win more battles and get back to the level that he showed us in preseason and early in the season. Then he can play. His level dropped off. And he needs to get back to it, which is fair." Verbiev did have some very non-existent games there uh, before he got scratched. But at the same time, as we've been saying, throughout the whole goddamn Hackstall tenure, uh, Tailwees and Yuri Letera usually have those games. And You know, it's it's just very depressing hearing talking about the Flyers. and I, I, I just can't take any more Dave Hackstall. I, I can't. I've had enough. I'll hang up and listen. I don't know what's going on. No, that was the, the rain. That was oh, the rain sounds. Right okay, gotcha. It's the new podcast. <laughs> it's the, the Flyers Weepcast. <laughs> oh, God. Well, the I mean... Quiet, uh, it's the quiet storm that is our Rage Against the Flyers. <laughs> rage Against the Flyers also a pretty good podcast name. We need to trademark that. Bow, 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 and then... bow, bow, bow. <laughs> Not, not penalty killing in the name of is what they actually we should call oh, it. <laughs> oh, there we go. Atta boy. Holy shit. I hate myself. <laughs> and then our the podcast logo is just the uh, <laughs> the Rage Against the Machine, uh, the, their first album cover, but the flame is just coming up in Dave Haxall's face. Mm, or it's like mm, or like the flame strong is, choice the, the flame is just titled young talent and trusting offensive players instincts and then it's just dave haxtell turning away from the flame like not looking at it <laughs> so raffles hurt haxtell still doing his whole lineup gig that apparently isn't going to get fired uh jvr and neuverth uh there's some uh injury updates regarding them jvr michael neuverth JVR is uh, expected to skate in a few days, and he, but still on the expected timeline of five to six weeks, which will put him in line for the week of November 12th. So only... God, I can't wait for him to get back and get scratched by Hack. <laughs> well, I will say, not in any way a defensive Hackstall, but I, it does kind of suck that Hackstall's big move forward to help kind of push this team towards uh their next step was signing jvr and the dude got entered four periods into the season that is a you little know why that is correct you know why that is because god Cause he's soft oh, he's oh. soft yeah the, i mean the good guy that's only played what 80 games in the last or each of the last however because he's soft <laughs> he's a big old marshmallow oh my god yeah. these people these freaking people man <laughs> Get they drive me nothing drives <laughs> You know what drives me more nuts than Dave Haxtell? Other Flyers fans. 
Yeah, Flyers Twitter. I mean, it's it's a good time right now. It's just anything. Dude, if you're calling JVR soft for getting that injury, I just don't even know. What I, to say I think to you it's anymore. just. I think it's just one. I'll, I'll, I always saw one comment on that. I don't know who else was calling him. I mean, I got a text minutes after. Oh, personal attack. I like it. A, a personal attack. Yeah, I got a text minutes after that news broke that he would be out for a few weeks, saying, "Well, here we go again." By the way, guy, I think I talked about it last week. There was some guy who was in John Bork's mentions when somebody said that they should scratch Dale Weiss, and he was like, well, actually, Dale Weiss has been more of the reliable players all season. I guess you don't watch the games. I saw that guy. <laughs> he had a very vivid, or a very memorable Twitter profile pic, and I saw him on Twitter the other day saying the same exact thing, I, and I think it was about Robert Hag. And then I think he said something about a, about Christian Folian, and I'm like, this guy, this guy is just a watch the game, just an alert dog. He's just like oh, scouring Twitter to figure out who's bashing mediocre to below average flyers and be like, well, actually, buddy, if you watch the game, I've got news for you on that front, Craig. That's actually Ron Hextall's ghost Twitter account. <laughs> That's his burner account. <laughs> That's his burner account. That's his Brian Colangelo burner account. <laughs> it's actually Mrs. Hextall. <laughs> Like at this point, that's the only step Hextall can Hextall can take before he fi- has to fire Hextall. Is to do the uh, burner accounts and then let that be a story for five months while he quietly lets Hextall stay around and uh, tells him to go into the shell in the third period. Put Dale really Weiss like in for JVR. The burner accounts are more or less like when the PTA strikes on the Simpsons. Uh, Bart just goes around the meeting just whispering stuff like uh whispering lies like oh i heard they want this what about this <laughs> and that's more or less what the burner accounts are i hear hack's a really good coach <laughs> oh god you know the simpsons has been on have been on for how long now 45 years 50 years right uh 65 and i've watched i want to say five episodes and i feel like if I- you just watch all the Simpsons between seasons, I'd say three and eight. You're good. No need to see any more. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like the Simpsons sense of humor is like right up my alley, too. I it feel is. Like, I feel like Chief, Chief uh, Wiggum. That's the guy's name, right? Chief Wiggum, yes. Yeah, I feel like he is my, he would be my favorite character on that show. Which actually, which reminds me, uh, you've watched Parks and Rec, right? Yes. Okay. So who is the I was trying to do a power ranking of these three supporting characters, like real deep supporting characters. Uh, Orin, John Ralphio, Sewage Joe. I think Sewage Joe has grown on me. I uh, see my, my ranking goes John Ralphio, John Ralphio Sewage Joe, Orin. Yeah, I, I think Orin is just he's funny. Orin's a fun side gag. Yeah, and he's he's just fun to watch Leslie Note freak out on. But I think. Sewage Joe's God, John Ralphio because his name great. is Sewage Joe, but John Ralphio is like a cornerstone character. <laughs> yeah, I I think John Ralphio might be one of my favorite characters across like all. He's got comedies. some of the best. <laughs> he's got some of the best moments in the entire show by himself. Like, I was just watching the Snake Juice one the other day, oh my God. and the one where he's doing the raps. And he never name, and the then right he one. Just, Big Ben Clock. <laughs> No, just say Big Ben. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> and you know, of course, my favorite one is always, uh, "She's the worst." Yeah. <laughs> like, 
Like I use that all the time. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. What do you? Yeah. I I think it's I just watched that. I, I just love Sue's show because of uh, he has the hot interns, even though he works in the the, the sewer department. I I don't know. Right. Just everything about him just cracks me up. Oh, Sue's so show is just a great name in and of itself, and the guy is just the guy who plays him is so perfectly sleazy. Yeah, he's bragging about sending dick pics to uh, Ann Perkins. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say? If you got the piping, show it off. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> ever said that. <laughs> Glad we're in agreement on this one. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Um, yeah, but well, we need to. Pro- we, we should integrate more Parks and Rec talk into uh, the podcast rather than talking about I'd Dave Hackstall. Say uh, five minutes of Park Park, and Rec- yeah. Parks and Rec talk until the hacks fired. Yeah, like we'll uh, you know we'll have the Thursday game. They'll probably look pretty lifeless against the Bruins, and they'll edge out no two win against the Islanders, and then uh, we'll all stay up till one o'clock to. F- watch the flyers lose a one nothing game to the ducks that ducks game is going to be super annoying because the ducks oh it's going to be terrible ducks are in full carlisle mode so each game i'm pretty sure they've gotten pounded in terms of shot and possession but they have uh been in each game and have won some games because john gibson is pretty good oh yeah so we're gonna stay until one o'clock and watch the flyers lose one nothing in the shootout and like i'm not even i'm ready for it i'm here for it I have a couple of fantasy hockey teams and John Gibson is literally John the Gibson. reason I won week one. Yeah. John Gibson has been, I, I can't believe he didn't get, did he get nominated last year for Vesna? I don't think he did. I don't think I, he did. Yeah, but he should ridiculous. have been up there. Yeah. He'll, he, I mean, he'll definitely get mentioned this year because the ducks got a lot of new guys. And if Corey Perry's out for five to six months and they're still relevant they're they'll, they'll notice him. Uh, especially if they're, By the way, Craig, what are you this. thinking of, uh, what you thinking of this Tampa Bay Colorado game so far? Uh, a lot of a lot of not scoring going on. I, they've got a lot of chances. You know what? It's, it's been really it, good. A lot of chances. Yeah. It's it's been exciting, and I just had to comment. I did not realize that NBC Sports changed their, oh, yeah. their Wednesday night hockey to Wednesday night hockey. Now, did you want to make fun of it? Because I think it makes sense. No, actually, oh, okay. it makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't realize that's what they changed it to. It makes a lot more sense than Rivalry Night. I just wanted to talk about oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it is a big change. Because we've made fun of Rivalry Night for years now. Yeah, and yeah, because they would put... Because like... we always record on Rivalry <laughs> Night, too. So it's always, yeah. we're recording, it's in the background, bah, 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 bah. Yeah. it's Rivalry Night. Tonight, we're looking at the historic rivalry between the Colorado Avalanche <laughs> And the Phoenix Coyotes. <laughs> the Buffalo Sabres and the Detroit Red Wings. Go at it again. The, the Philadelphia Flyers and the Detroit Red Wings. They played for a Stanley Cup in 97. And for some reason, that's a rivalry. <laughs> a drive. <laughs> I, think it's my fair. I think that one or when you can tell he is losing his shit when a puck doesn't go in. Like, oh, if there's yeah. a really close scoring chance, and he's just like, Oh, my Vasilevsky! <laughs> and it just wouldn't It just goes he's off just his glove! <laughs> Flips his shit. No, my favorite Doc thing is when he pulls a weird word out of his ass, and you're yeah. like, where did that come from, Doc? <laughs> and he, he just rolls with it, man. I don't know where he's got that stored up in the big old brain of his, but, man, he uses some weird words. I think... And I uh, sound like a country bumpkin, but... Yo, gee golly, that man uses some fancy words. <laughs> that Dr. Amrick, he must be a doctor in the English language. Thank you very much. I will say, I think Doc Amrick's favorite part of, speaking of Parks and Rec, favorite part of Parks and Rec is that 
Leslie Nope's uh, one of Leslie Nope's holidays with Ann Parker is, is speak like a Pittsburgh Pirate day. Mm. I'm sure he gets a huge kick out of that. That's a that's a lot of well legwork going on into that reference. But I think uh, he uses knife a lot when he talks about guys going into the slot. I find that weird, but I feel like it's very Doc. Well, Doc is known for his obsession with knives. Yeah, just a huge. And much like I the really model of to. knife popular in 1975, <laughs> that's my preferred. <laughs> With the serrated edge. Uh, I, these two teams, though, I didn't know the Avs were doing that well. I know the top line of uh, Ranton and Landeskog and McKinnon have been doing really well. But 6-1-2, uh, and two, and they're doing pretty well against the Lightning right now. Yeah, yeah. Varlamov look really good. Bar- Varlamov. Varlamov. Varley. We'll just call him Varley. Yeah, we'll call him Varley. Varley. Uh, Varls. Yeah. Varls Barkley. Oh. Oh, boy. Oh, good night we and good are, hockey. We have to lead the nation among podcasts in horrible puns. Slash Horrific puns. Not yeah. even. We should be in just any conceivable out, universe. Giving out, we should be given the old yeller treatment for how many goddamn bad word puns we have. Like wordplay well, we you, have. You should just take fly verbally behind the barn and give it a big old <laughs> shot to the head. It's a little tad more graphic than what I'll say, but yeah. <laughs> I want to leave the, the element of a reference out there, but yeah, you cut to the chase. There you go. <laughs> You're going to give Fly Purple the old yeller treatment right now. So naturally, we'll pick up where we're leaving off. Michael Norvert's coming back, and let me just tell you, there's people. <laughs> wait, wait, was that an old yeller transition? Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. This was a. This was By the a, way, Michael uh, Neuverth, uh rehab assignment in Lehigh Valley tonight, right? Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. He'll be hurt by the time you hear this. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. It, it, we should actually figure out. I mean, we nailed it last time. We said we last year that. It last time. Yeah, he was going to get hurt uh, by the first game he came back, and then he got hurt, and it was astounding. So he, like, it's not a matter of if, it's when. He will absolutely get hurt again. And, uh, just waiting on it. I mean, do you think it? So, do you think he gets hurt by the end of October? Yes. You think so? I, I'm gonna, I'm getting optimistic here, Steve. I think. Well, he's got a I, new trainer. I think of oh, big whoop. I think he's gonna get hurt. <laughs> I want to say, you can mark this down. I'll give him till Christmas. I was gonna give him till Christmas. That's a fly purple hot take. Michael Nerva is not gonna get hurt until Christmas. There, we That's said it. Also- that's also the Fly Purbly Christmas song this year. I'm fucking nervous. <laughs> By give, the way, I'll I... give them till Christmas. Parentheses, <laughs> Noivy. Uh, by the way, the Phantoms won seven to three tonight, so they didn't really need Norver to play. They could just stretch in that. I think they would have been fine. Yeah, Michael Norver. Goals by our favorite player. Thirty-one to thirty-four. Who's our favorite player? The jerk. Oh, one goal, one assist. Nice. Having, a, he's having a pretty good season so far. I had a couple the, highlights. The j- 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 uh, our other favorite player, uh, Cole Bardreau. What was that? You didn't complete it. I'm very upset. The germ? Yeah. You've got a role to play, and you're not playing it. What do I usually do? <laughs> Get infected. Oh, baby. I have to do, I have to do it all <laughs> myself now? Come on, jeez. Jeez. You're going to want to see a doctor because you just watched some AHL hockey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, babe. 
Cole Bardreau had a goal. Greg Carey uh, with a, another three-point game. I mean, that guy's just a point-producing machine. Chris Connor had two goals. Taylor earlier had an assist. Mark Freeman had an assist. TJ Brown with an assist. Carter Hart no ice time because Michael Norris played. Uh, Dustin Dukarski, one save on four shots against. So he's the toke man. He's going to be on the Flyers next season. That's oh, a yeah. He's going to be line. starting by the end of this year. Thank you. Four, oh my God, four shots against, three goals against, four minutes and thirty six minutes of work. That, holy ass, that's that's a fucking stat line right there. That's a stat line that says you should not even be in the AHL. What are you even doing here? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty impressive. But okay, so yeah, he had a rehab, so he'll be up, be up soon. And I think we talked about Tomorrow. this before. But do you want Norworth or uh, Pickard? I went. Uh, why? It's a real silver story. Who cares? Okay. You know what? I want Neuverth. You know why? Because he's got talent. Uh, Pickard, what the hell is this guy bringing? However, he is better the more shots he gets than other individuals, is what I hear. That's the word on the street. Who? Better than I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Brian Elliott, the old (laughs) man on the Flyers roster. Um, no, I think I'd rather go with Neuverth. At least when he is healthy for three games a year, he's pretty brilliant for two Those of them. Those three games are pretty good, yeah. Uh, he's healthy for three. He's brilliant for two. I guess, yeah, I guess so. And then when he gets hurt, he can just always call up Pickard. Uh, you know, I don't know, man. Well, they're going to... So, uh, Craig, can you tell me off the top of your head what the GAA is per Flyers goalie right now? And the save percentage. Well, and if the, you get in the ballpark, that's going to count. The, of the two goalies that have played? Yeah, so Brian Elliott, GAA and save percentage. Uh, God. Um, to start with a nine? <laughs> no. Oh, Neither my. of them start. Well, wait. Oh, save percentage? No. <laughs> Neither of them oh, start with a nine. GAA, yeah. That'd be insane. Yeah, <laughs> save percentage. <laughs> Uh, I want to say Brian Elliott's at a cool 906 uh, with a GAA of, oh boy, uh, 3.85. Okay, GAA 3.59. Okay. Save percentage 8.82. Brian Elliott has an 8.82 save percentage? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, Picard. Pickard. Pickard. We're going with Pickard. I'll call him Picard. He hasn't earned Pickard yet. Uh. I just, you know, I just named my fantasy hockey team a bad American picker. Pickers. Pun, so yes. <laughs> I, wait, oh, wait, we had a bad pun. That's crazy. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so mind okay. blown. Uh, Pickard, let's see. He had, uh, he played for against Columbus. Yeah, he came in. <sighs> played against the Senators. He gave up four goals. You're overthinking this one. Uh, is he a nine? Does he have a nine? No. This is good stuff. This is good goaltending. Um, 895 GAA 333. GAA 475. Hell yeah, dude. Save percentage is 833. Oh my god. This team fucking sucks, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Oh my god. It's insane. That's why I wanted to, you to guess because it's so bad. Now, uh, now, Elliot. It's so bad. So Elliot, I feel like, has been, in terms of the nine games so far, he's the goalie who's been left to hang out to dry more than oh, Pickard. 100%. Pickard looked like 
dog shit against the Blue Jackets. Like, I think dog he could have stopped. Complete dog shit. I think he could have stopped all six of those goals. Uh, maybe not the Cam Atkinson one where he got the cross ice or the, uh, the the pass right into the the crease, but the other the other five, like the Declare one, again, people are blowing that one up. But I, I think the Flyers had a lot of faults on that play, obviously, and Picker could have had that one. Foley falls over. Yeah, shot wasn't exactly uh, mistake free. It could have very easily been saved. Uh, got dunked on on the Atkinson goal. Got embarrassed. Uh, I don't remember what the other ones are now, but he just didn't look good on any of them. So I just want to be perfectly clear. If I have to choose between the unknown guy who might give me a fighting chance uh, every now and then, but be hurt a decent amount, or the guy with the 475 GAA and the 833 save percentage, I'm going to go with Michael Marvorth. Man. Man, it's... The, The Maple Leafs want Calvin Pickard back be my guest the flyers I, have about 49 goalies right now on their roster anyway i did is it illegal to run out two goalies and four skaters have we looked into that i think like, it might be i yeah i mean if not even if it is maybe it's one of those rules that referees just felt like they haven't need to like even look up they're just like oh nobody's gonna try that we don't need to worry about that area of the rule book just slide it in there just throw both of them out there on the ice see how long they go before the rest notice I mean, they'll Just know it's in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the same philosophy that wedding crashers take. <laughs> oh, man. Good old. Uh, I know Wilson Classic. Where, uh, on, a, where? On, a rank, on a ranking of one to five wows, where would you put wedding crashers? I'd say it's a pretty. <laughs> I think I'd say it's at least four and a half wows. It's a pretty good. Movie. I would say, yeah, I'll give four and a half wows. Right. Wedding Crashers is an Owen Wilson classic. Yeah, right. introduction to uh, Bradley Cooper. Yeah, that's his first oh, big yeah. thing. Yeah. A uh, great performance from uh, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Uh, was that? Uh, is it Isla Fisher? Or is that her name? Isla Fisher. Yes. Was that her first big movie? I believe so. Yeah, I mean, just crack. And uh, big uh, and Rachel McAdams as well. Good Rachel, uh, Rachel McAdams' first big movie. And Christopher Walken's first big Christopher movie. Christopher Walken, of course. <laughs> another another great wow person, Christopher Walken. Yeah, wow. we can do the Christopher. <laughs> wow, these, wow. These fires can't kill. That, that's a horrible Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty lousy, but them's the breaks. Them's the breaks. <laughs> Hey, let's see you, Christopher. Can you do a Christopher walking? Oh, I like the... try. I, I feel like you do. Uh, here's the problem, though. Here's the problem. All Christopher Walken impressions are essentially just Jay Moore's impression of Christopher Walken. Like all George <laughs> W. Bush impressions are essentially just Will Ferrell's impression. Of Did Jay Moore only get on SNL because of his Christopher Walken? I don't want to say yes, but I want to say yes. That's fine. I don't think Jay Moore is paying attention to. And what do you think Jay Moore is doing right now? Let's get down to it on this Flyers Let's get podcast. Down to it. What do you on think Jay Moore is doing at this second? I want to say he's bagging groceries at a local giant. He might be in the area. Nobody knows where he is. He's he's. I mean, has he been in anything recently? By the way, I I come up with my my walking impression for you. I'm going to take a step. Oh, okay, it's not go going ahead. to be good, but I'm going to take a step. I'm excited. I got a fever, and the only cure. <laughs> It's less Hackstall. Yeah, see, that was worse. I feel like we're we're equally poor on our walking impression. So Probably, you, yeah. You slay your damn roll well, there, son. you take a hike there, buddy. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, let's recap. Okay. 
trying to get so what have we talked about in this podcast <laughs> we've talked this. about parks and recreation we've ranked owen wilson movies christopher walken i think uh, we're good jay moore yeah i think we've reached jay moore. The, we're in a I, I feel like once we hit jay moore that's when we should reel back in for our random pop culture <laughs> i feel like jay moore is the barometer of uh are we going too far off the rails We've already started hitting trees. We've already uh, sunny bone out this situation. We're already starting to get way lost oh, in the woods no. here. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, a, it's an Eminem reference, but yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about these games. Also a real-life reference. Yeah, unfortunately a real-life reference. Uh, Let's talk about these games here. So the Flyers, I mean, against the Devils, the Devils, they looked really good. The, the problem was is that they still didn't get a ton of high-danger chances. They just spent most of the game in the Devils' end of the ice. I think a positive... The special teams suck, but I think in a way that's a positive because that means they just played that well at five on five and they were able I to I kept overcome. looking up in that game and was stunned that the Flyers didn't have more shots than they had. Yeah, the I mean, Devils it was tied with them in shots for most of the game. Like, I felt like the Devils weren't doing shit at five on five. Yeah, I, I think overall shot attempts were, were pretty high. But yeah, the actual shots on nets weren't actual shots on net weren't that great. Uh, first period. 76.19 cores for percentage, and then they finished with a 59.74 overall. Uh, like I said, not a lot of odd man chances against, which is what I was looking for because they just they they had bled those chances against in the first seven games of the season, and I th- I think it's kind of slowed down in the last couple of games. But um, the Colorado game, yeah, I mean, Sandheim just looked really good. The they only had two penalty kills, but the first one looked absolutely terrible. Pretty listless game until Patrick's redirection, and then they had a couple minutes of life. And uh, I mean, unfortunately, Drew had a really bad turnover to pretty much uh, seal the deal. And uh, Dale Weiss, we, yeah, we should talk about this. Dale Weiss had the two chances. Risky. He had two chances yesterday that just kind of blew my mind. And the first one was he had a rush on on the left wing, and he got by a defender and had a shot on that. And I was like, all right, that's a little more than. I'd expect out Dale Weiss. And then I think in the second period, he had a spinning no-look pass that went through the slot, and it should have found another flyer on the other side, but it, it nobody was there to pick it up. But it was still like the presence of my – I'm impressed with Dale Weiss that his ability was to spin around and throw a pass to nobody in particular. But it was still above average for the Dale Weiss offensive potential that I think many of us have come to expect. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. And that's that's pretty much. I mean, that's what I got for these these two games here. I mean, the 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 Avs top line scored three goals. Uh, one of them came on the power play, um, but I mean, Rainen had two goals and so not that line. But Rainen had two goals, uh, and I think Landis Scott scored on the breakaway that Drew had the turnover on. Uh, yeah, I mean, the top line is at fifty three point forty nine percent this week. Second line. Uh, 75 course four percentage this week. Third line of Patrick, Lawton, and Voracek, 51.22 course four percentage, uh, two goals for, zero goals against, and then the bottom line, 61.54 course four percentage. A lot of these were inflated by the the Devils game. The third line was below, uh, below 50 against the Devils, and the top line was at 50 against the or the, against the Avs, and the top line was at 50 against the Avs. Uh, that's it for the NHL level. There are some. Uh, there is a a, a Jay O'Brien injury. He's day to day. 
a no. yeah <laughs> it was that uh philly that's boy the roy stake them up uh, <laughs> that's the stake them up commercial no thank oh, you okay. <laughs> stake them up being an institution in my neighborhood uh uh commercial institution i guess i don't know yeah no, we'll, we'll die uh, if you've never seen a stake them up commercial uh walk don't run to check them out nice um but yeah, he uh, so far this season, Jay O'Brien has only played four games for the Providence Friars uh, and zero Lost. points. Eight shots on goal, zero points. So I think it's safe to say in October of 2018 that Jay O'Brien is a lost cause. He's a bust. So thanks, Complete Xbox. Lost cause. Should have kept Braden Shen. Yeah. Should have drafted Nico Heeshear yeah. and Elias Pedersen. Yeah. Pedersen. That's it. Pedersen. Pedersen. Who's Pedersen? Pedersen. Uh, and then in terms of AHL news, or actually, you know what? There are Cooper Marody. I, I feel like we should talk about this real quick. Not because Cooper. not to go to Sam Carcitti, but uh, Drake Kajila and Ty R- uh, Ratty, 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 Ratty. Once again, names uh, got Ratty. injured with Let's the go Oilers. With go with Ratty, make it sound really high end, elegant. I'm thinking <laughs> oh, like the, Jack Hay. The Ratty, Ratty injury. <laughs> Oh, you meant the Raté injury. Thank you very much. The 1988 Raté. Both those injuries led to Cooper Marody being called up from the Bakersfield Condors for the Oilers. He had six points in the first five games for the AHL affiliate. Played against the Penguins last night, which uh, had two shots, two takeaways, and 9.58. And the Penguins... You know, it's really fun watching Dave Haxtell uh, press every single wrong button for this franchise. And meanwhile, Sidney Crosby's in his 20th year in the league, and he's still bedazzling everybody. Did you see that overtime goal last night? Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's good to know that there's no sign of that slowing down. And it doesn't matter what, like the Penguins, like I said, 6-5 game in overtime. They gave up five goals to the Oilers. And a lot of question marks on defense right now. Matt Murray doesn't look like the Matt Murray they expected. And uh, still... Doesn't really matter because that team has Crosby and Malkin, and that they are apparently they all they both drank from the pond from Tuck Everlasting, and apparently they're not going to age at all. And we're going to have to watch them all until like Tuck like, Everlasting, <laughs> fucking twenty fifty six or something. Yeah, Tuck Everlasting. So like that one. That's my main. <laughs> that's a reference, pal. Yeah, that's the main thing I think of when I think of people living forever. It's just. Some people think of the fountain of youth. <laughs> I think it's Tuck Everlasting. <laughs> I just like that. Some people might even think of maybe the Grail from Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. You think of Tuck Everlasting? I just I remember that being a huge that being like the big question because we read that when I was in sixth grade I think and they were like, "Would you drink from the pond if it meant you had to live forever?" And I was like, "Yeah, I would live forever." What kind of fucking question is that? A doy. Yeah. Doy. And now that I get older, older, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to watch Lars hockey forever. So I think I would have stayed clear of that pond. And they're like, yeah, you'd have to watch all your, you know, all your friends would pass away. And I'm like, all right, well, I still get to live forever. I'll make some new friends. I I don't know. Like, if you're going to live forever, (laughs) like, you'll figure it out. But the Flyers are never going to change. <laughs> you know, I take that friend thing back because my friend Mike listens to every episode. <laughs> it's the year so, 3099. <laughs> and the Philadelphia Flyers are still mediocre. Their event, like, I feel like if you stay around long enough, like in 3018, the puck is just going to be an outline of like a light 
they're going to be playing in space. It's not going to be skates anymore. It's going to be the 90s again? You're pretty much, like, everything's going to change. And Dave Haxtell is still going to be coaching this team to first-round playoff exits. I I can almost guarantee that. I'm Robo Jim Jackson. This (laughs) is the the head of Dave Haxtell. Yeah, the broadcast crew. the liver of Coatsy. Broadcast crew is still making excuses for Dave Haxtell. Jim Jackson's just like, well, there's some injuries, uh, you know. Uh, a couple bad breaks here. They hope refs aren't giving them every uh, so-so call. You know, you can't really blame it all on Haxtell, they say, in his 150th year in the regime. Ronaldo's still around. <laughs> By the way, I was going to say this for around the league, but uh, did you see uh, I know bro scored a goal? What? Yeah, nine games in the season. He's already got a goal, baby. You know, in now, the words of Sam Carcitti, that's neat. <laughs> now, the question is, how long of a goal drought did he have? He scored uh, this mm. Predator's sixth game into the season, I think. And I mean, are we just talking the season, or are we talking like... Uh, since the last time he scored back. a goal. How many games until he scored the his last goal? And I will say, I want to I help you out. Zach Ronaldo scored five goals last year in the NHL. What? In the highest level of professional hockey, Zach Ronaldo beat five people who were paid actual money to keep pucks out of the net. They should all be demoted. They should all, yeah, they should all be old yellowed. But how, how long of a I goal? mean, I was going to guess, I was going to guess 69 <laughs> games. That's been ruined. And that's very nice. Uh, no, 69. Uh, 25. Lower. 10. Lower. Five. Nine. Nine games he went between goals, which is I'm not looking. I'm not spending any more time than I have to on Zach Ronaldo research. But uh, I know, bro. According to Five Herbally, that's the lowest goal drought in his career, lowest time between goals. Wow. So, congrat. Uh, without any research, congrats, Zach. Uh, good job. Do you think uh, that? Do you think Zach Ronaldo's listened to the Cole Beasley album yet? <laughs> oh yeah, I. Surprised he didn't have an appearance on the Cole Beasley album. <laughs> like, to be honest, are we sure he's not co-singing on "Sorry Not Sorry"? Because <laughs> that when sounds you, like Zach Ronaldo's anthem. Zach Ronaldo very much has the feel of a guy who I, I don't know. Like he would absolutely drop his own rap album. Feels like a also, guy. I, he also seems like the kind of guy who does not miss a Toby Keith show. Zach Ronaldo. Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. No. That's. Yeah. That's fair. Because that's the new, that's the new like bro show, right? Like to show up and just put a cowboy hat on and just shotgun beers. I, I guess. I mean, I still that, that is it. society now, Craig. I picture it more. I mean, right? Yeah, PC culture. That's society now. What I picture it more, I still picture the Jersey Shore, Jersey Shore setup where like the black shirt, gold chain, just uh obnoxious like gel in the hair kind of look going into a uh, nightclub at like two a.m. That's why I picture Zach Ronaldo still doing. By the way, did you see? Probably doing both. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's probably. He's in Nashville now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know what? Actually, the cowboy hat thing does make sense. It's not even. But it's not even just that. That's like the. That's what the bros do now, dude. That's what they're all about. I. About shotgun and beers at those country shows. I. I again. I would not. This is society now, Craig. (laughs) You. You seem really down and out on society because of this. This cowboy thing, I'm very unaware of. But I, I don't know. I've, I've never heard that. I know that's a thing. I just, I chalk that up as things that guys in the country do. Like that's a thing that where I grew up in Maryland, I would expect people to. Uh, 
do that. Buddy, I mean, next summer, next summer when there's a big country show at the lake we're not around the parking lot, it is a shit show. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, there are. I don't think I'm ever going to do that. I never want to do that. I don't want to see what those parking lots are. A like. shit show. They call it <laughs> a shit show. They call it going to a country show. <laughs> they call it Ronaldoing. <laughs> Yeah, I just poured beer into a cowboy hat and I chugged it. So that's uh, that's what I did out there. You also know that Ronaldo was super psyched when Kid Rock played the NHL All-Star game. Yeah, he was probably the only guy that fully endorsed it. He's probably... Oh, by the way, that reminds me, speaking of uh, shitty, shitty rock stars. You you Fred Durst Uh No, I'm not Fred Durston tonight, no. I mean, I how many times... How, what percentage of time do you think Fred Dursting, for those not aware, is uh, wearing a uh, red baseball cap backwards and wearing a wife beater. Yeah, is that what? <laughs> essentially, uh... essentially. Yeah, it's so... very hot in my basement. Thank you very much. But now oh. that the cooler weather is, I mean, this whatever is not a factor. excuse you need to sleep at night, knowing that you've Fred Dursted, that's fine. What percentage of time do you think uh, Zach Ronaldo spends Fred Dursting? Like, it's a non-zero not at the number. hockey rink, right? Not at the hockey rink. I'm talking, yeah, just hanging out. Chilling with the boys. 95. Drinking ice cold beers and a cowboy hat, apparently. 95? I, I I don't think it's that. He's still got to go. He wasn't, he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't Fred Durston when I, I saw him for the autographs. I don't think he does it when he's clubbing, and I want to say he clubs about a quarter percent of his life. Anyway, back to where we were. David Drake is now in the ECHL. Uh, David Drake, the Flyers' seventh-round pick in 2013, needed to sign an NHL contract by the last or this past summer to stay with the franchise. Didn't get it, but he did sign an AHL deal with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Played in the season opener. Didn't do much in it. Uh, Phantoms have eight demons, so they decided to loan David Drake to the ECHL. I was kind of confused last year when they gave Drake a chance in the AHL. Because uh, he was a homegrown pick, and he doesn't feel like a guy who would thrive in today's league. But I guess Hextall is willing to take a look at every asset that the organization has, which is a good thing, I guess. But, I mean, it's still David Drake, so it's not really a guy that they need to look at. But now he is in the ECHL, and that is thanks to Maddie's weekly Phantom Rundown, which is something everybody should check out. Because Maddie knows what she's doing. Maddie Absolutely. is the opposite of Fly Perverly. <laughs> so check it. <laughs> if you want some actual uh, journalism and uh, good opinions uh, and good writing, uh, check out Maddie. If you'd like some actual valuable content, <laughs> check out check, Maddie's content. Check out, yeah. Check out Maddie. All right. Um, if you want to hear about hockey and not about Kid Rock <laughs> and Zach Ronaldo and Jay Moore, just uh, yeah, actually Jay Moore. To, uh, to Maddie. Bad walking impressions. <laughs> uh, based be- on Jay Moore's walking impression. Before we get to around the league, I wanted to share this with people because I found it interesting, and I'm sure if you hear this, uh, people look oh, up the, the link because. Be okay, buddy. Uh, so. so <laughs> There's a KHL defenseman named Andre Katikin, who in the 2017 postseason scored three goals from the red line. And I watched all of them, and one of them was in overtime. Hilarious. The other one came with like, I think like five minutes left in the game to win it. Did this with uh, Dynamo Moscow. Uh, This season is with Spartak Moscow. 
And against his old team, Dynamo Moscow, he scored again from the red line. And this time he was like five feet behind the red line and scored from center ice to give his team a 3-2 lead with about four minutes left. And my main question is, how? Like, he's, how has he done it four times in the last three seasons? I feel like that's an insane amount to pull that off. And also... What league what? is he in, Craig? He's in the KHL. So are you okay, just... Okay, he just answered your own question. You're, you're talking that up to the KHL stuff? You're telling me... Hold on. You read off the flyer stats before. You're telling me if more... If... if, if who Who's a defenseman for the... Uh, oh, my God. Um, if Zidane Chara took a shot from the red line on Thursday. You're telling me there's not a 50-50 chance that puck goes into the back of the net? Is Calvin Pickard in there? Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Do you trust either one to really make a save at this point? Uh, 50 no, percentage actually, points. You know, uh, <laughs> Pickard, yeah. Pickard, yeah. Pickard is a bigger one. Pickard, you know what? I... I think Elliot's going to stop it from from that range. No other range, but that range. If it's if it's in <laughs> his zone, <laughs> if it's if it's in his zone, I'm concerned. But if it's outside the zone, I trust Brian Elliott to stop it. Maybe Charlie McAvoy, who was who was uh, who I was thinking of. By the way, I was just gonna say I know they had a monster rookie defenseman coming up last year, and then also speaking of uh, Boston defensemen, we'll start the around the league with this nonsense. Um, Mark Verwicki has a one game suspension. For elbowing Yurho Vekaninen in the head uh, this past week, so that's uh, that was big news today, or not big news, but it was definitely news today. Tashan Winato scoring a goal, uh, Sebastian Aho along with uh, Gabriel Landeskog, who was about to have his point streak snapped, have nine game uh, point streaks. Aho has a uh, point every game, four goals, ten assists overall. Uh, injuries: Thomas Pekanich is week to week with a lower back injury. Ty Rete on IR, and he's going to miss multiple weeks due to a uh, muscle, a uh, core muscle injury. Uh, Peck Rene on IR with an undisclosed injury, which is a very nice change from LBI and UBI. Get even less distinction on where the injury is. Steve Santini broke his jaw blocking a shot on Saturday. So, Steve, you got to see that live. He's also on IR. Oh, boy. Coming off the IR are Scott Darling, who, uh, speaking of great save percentages, what was his save percentage uh, last year, Steve? Scotty Darling? Yeah. Doesn't start with a nine. Oh, baby, 888. You must get shit. You must get that. Darling fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's coming back, and uh, I'm sure that's great news for the Hurricanes, who have been killing it, by the way. The one year I finally gave up on him there, actually. You know, the other thing. I uh, heard you loud and clear. Expected to start on. Oh, he's given up. All right, turn on the Jets. Uh, he's expected to start on Friday against the Sharks. Seth Jones came back and played last night against Arizona, and naturally the Blue Jackets uh, lost four to one to the Arizona Coyotes. Alex Tuck got a contract extension, signed a seven-year deal, which will kick in next season. Four point five million cap hit, thirty-seven points in seventy-eight games last year. It's been out all this season after he suffered a class case for an LBI in the final preseason game. I feel like, I feel like that's a little, I, I don't know. I, I guess 4.5 million for a 37 point player is about right now. Days, I don't know. It still feels a little high to me, but I don't care. It's Vegas. Kind of hope they kind of want Vegas to go through a couple painful seasons now. Vegas, by the way, 
I think they're third in terms of possession this season, which is uh, pretty shocking, but they uh, are not they don't have the best record to start. I think they're also four and five or four and four, the, somewhere in that area. Uh, Alex Ovechkin now has 233 power play goals. He's ninth all time. Uh, the couple guys in front of him, Brendan Shanahan is sixth with 237. So Alex Ovechkin has a very real chance to get in the top five or top six at least uh, by season's end. And Steve, another one. Do you know who was first all time in uh, power play goals? First all-time in power play It's goals. not – he's one of the best – he's a really, really good player, but I don't think he's a name that would jump out at you unless you knew the answer to this, if that makes sense. Yeah, let's go ahead and tell me, Craig, because I'm a – You're not going to – Dave, Dave Andrichuk has 274 power play goals. Oh, baby. Would you have ever guessed that? Probably not. Yeah, I mean, like he – I do I, – I know the name, but – Yeah, like he, he was good, but I – uh, yeah, not a major, not category. in that area of expertise. <laughs> yeah, um, Keith Primo apparently is bicycling through Israel to raise money for disabled vets. Uh, this is from the news release. Uh, Courage in Motion, 2018, is a five-day cycling trip through Israel to raise money for Biat uh, Halashem. Hopefully, I'm saying that correctly. I'm probably not. Which provides aid to disabled veterans in Israel. Proceeds from the ride will be used toward purchasing cycling equipment, including including customized hand bikes and single and tandem bicycles, as well as funding cycling programs. The ride, which will be held Monday through Friday, will take riders from Mitzpe Ramon in the southern part of the country north to Jerusalem. Along the way, the group will stop the hike at Lazada and swim in the Dead Sea. And uh, that's what Keith Primo is doing nowadays. Pretty nice. Uh, Yeah, that's great. And uh, yeah. Full support to Keith Primo, a great guy, and uh, one of those people I have gotten to interview in my time podcasting. So, yeah, uh, full support to Prem's. Uh, yeah, that sounds you know, pretty cool. Speaking of, this reminded me actually too. We could talk about this real quick, but uh, I saw something about somebody was saying that why don't the Flyers bring back Kimo Timonen to help the defense? Not like in terms of playing, but coaching, which kind I of sounds probably just living it up over in Finland right now. I would assume so too. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of an interesting take because the Penguins brought in Sergei Gontar to help with their defense. And right now it doesn't look great, but usually they have taken mediocre guys that are mobile defensemen and turned them into, I guess, the highest. Uh, they've gotten pretty good production out of those players rather than where they were, like a Trevor Daly or a Justin Schultz. And even Matt Homick last year was better than uh, what, he should have been. So I'm, I'm wondering, I wonder if the Flyers should actually take a look at that because they have some guys that could probably, probably, you know. One of the multitude of Flyers and, uh, alumni that just hang around. Actually had, yeah, actually had good defensive instincts. Uh, and I mean, you're talking about guys that need to learn how to be better with the puck in their own zone, I guess. And wasn't, weren't too many better than him at the time when he was playing. So don't you're trying to tell me. That the Philadelphia Flyers need coaching help? Get out of here. No. Haxtell, dude, Haxtell's got this covered. I believe in that he's guy. He's got this locked down. <laughs> he's he's killing it. Uh, Charles, Wang. <laughs> Charles Wang passed away of lung cancer at the age of 74. He was majority owner of the Islanders from 2001 to 2016. 
hired Neil Smith, who was GM for the Islanders for 40 days, and then hired Gar Snow in 2006. So he, he was doing pretty good at the time. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning had 33 shots on goal in one period against the Blackhawks. Real, oh, real quick on Gar Snow. Real quick. Was he hired? My recollection, I believe he was hired straight from being the backup goaltender to GM, right? I believe that's what happened. Because I sure just remember all. looking up one day and hearing Garth Snow was GM, and I was like, wasn't he just their backup? <laughs> yeah, I feel like, uh, I mean, that happens every, I feel like that happens in the NBA. Does guys, it? Not, not in the NHL. It, it's happened a couple times in the NBA. Like, I think Jason Kidd retired and then went straight into coaching. It just seems like such an, well, coaching I get, coaching I get. But to go straight from being a player to the general manager, that's insane. Yeah, it is pretty insane. But, I mean, can you blame him? Garth Snow did very good as the Elders GM. When you get a chance to lock down a Garth Snow, you'd take it. Lock down a Garth Snow. Uh, Yeah, so Lightning gave up or produced 33 shots on goal in the, I think it was the second period against the Blackhawks on Sunday. It's the most shots in a single period since the stat became official in 1997-98. I can't believe it took till 1997-98 season for people to be like, we should be tracking these shots, right? But I feel like it's a major part of the game. And it took until the late 90s for people to be like, we should probably start counting these to see what's going on. Yeah, it's really strange. Like, that's kind of insane to me. But anyway, 90s were a crazy time. Uh, uh, 33 shots on goal in a period. Blackhawks doing playing good hockey right there. Sounds like a defense that has Brandon Manning on uh, <laughs> in their starting rotation. So no surprises. I saw I I was cracking up because I they were playing the Blues one night, and I was watching the game. And uh, Cam Ward goes behind the net to get the puck. Brandon Manning starts skating towards him, giving him the uh, the open stance of like, "Hey, you can pass it here, buddy." As soon as Cam Ward lets go of the puck, Brandon Manning looks down the ice, and the puck goes between Brandon Manning's legs and goes to straight to a blue for an easy goal. I think it was David Perron. Just grabbed the puck and put it into the empty net. And I was like, man, I miss that. I miss these days. It was just Brandon Manning just flubbing routine plays on the ice. Just miss it. So, I mean, obviously the Flyers defense has vastly improved this season. But... Anywho, uh, Landeskog, McDavid, and Flurry were the three stars of the week. And then uh, I think the best news, we talked about him earlier in the podcast, but uh, probably the best news out of all this is Brian Boyle's cancer, according to him, is now in remission. So he was able to, uh, it's pretty impressive. Got diagnosed. Yeah. I think he got diagnosed with uh, cancer. I don't think it was last, was it last season? I thought it was maybe like two seasons ago, but. I thought it was two seasons ago. Yeah, it felt like two seasons ago. But anyway, he's played, I mean, able to fight through it and he's fine now. So uh, that's all we got, Steve. That's all we got. Uh, I mean, so real quick, do you think by the end of the year that Hackstall actually gets fired? I mean, like, do you think there's. Do you think when this season ends and we're looking at 2019-20 that we're talking about Dave Haxtell still? Unfortunately, I think we are going to be talking about Dave yeah, Haxtell still. Yeah, I do still. too. I don't. I, don't, I just get that impression. I don't see Ron firing him. Uh, he probably should, but yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I feel like the injuries are going to be used as, as an excuse for the early part of the season, and then we have to hope everybody is healthy in time. Come. And the thing about mediocrity is that 
he's not doing poor enough to really justify a flat out firing, but he's also not doing well. No, no. I think that's the thing that drives people insane too. Is just, it's the same. It's been the same deal with this team for the last four years where it's, they're a fringe playoff team and then they get ousted in the first round or they just are not good enough to like, it depends on what hot streaks they go on. Like if they go on a long enough hot streak, they, they tend to make the playoffs and then the other times they seem to miss. I I, I don't know. It, it this seems, this team has kind of been in limbo for the last couple of seasons. And I felt, I know the one, of the big ongoing, I guess not jokes, but like uh, concerns about the Hexel process by those who are vocal on Twitter is that the Flyers are always two years away from me and two years away. And that, I mean, this year was supposed to be the year that I thought they were going to take a step forward, like a big step forward. And uh, those people right now, I, I guess, have more ammunition because it looks like they're saying that next year should be another year and we might have to be patient this year, which I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not doing that this year. There's, there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of complaining on this podcast if this is another year of watching this penalty kill be 30th in the league and Dave is still scratching fucking idiots for Dave Weiss and Yori Latera. So keep on scratching. Keep on scratching. <laughs> <laughs> What's that guy's right, name? Oh, never mind, I forgot. That's Gus, the the it, most famous ground yeah, the Gus second the most famous that guy uh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah, that, that's the whole thing. I'm, I mean, if first of all, if I say a groundhog in human clothing, I'm, I'm giving that thing a golf club to the head. Just saying it. If it starts talking, I mean, all bets are off. I that 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 whole. I, I'm not cracking jokes with a, a a talking groundhog. There, I said it. Craig ain't playing with talking groundhogs. <laughs> that's my stance. Yeah, there's one takeaway from this podcast. I'm not talking to anthropomorphic animals. Like I'm done. <laughs> done with that. Done with talking groundhogs. <laughs> oh God. Well, if you want to tell Craig to keep on scratching, the best places on Twitter, you can reach him at Sports Are Bad. And my God, are they bad? Pretty bad, man. We didn't even talk Sixers about the Eagles lost tonight. Eagles lost last week. That Eagles loss was something else. <laughs> oh boy, that was. was. That was that was the tasty loss that that while it was happening that entire time i was just like they're not gonna blow this the panthers are driving when it was 17 to 14 i was like no they got this they're fine it's uh this is terrible yeah but sports are bad that's where you can reach craig you can reach me at estebaum or at flyperbole in fact if you want to talk hockey flyperbole is the one uh follow bsh radio follow broad street hockey and uh that's about that. I guess I'll like us on Facebook. Facebook's still a thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Meh. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah big meh. Meh. <laughs> uh, folks, we do thank you for listening. And until next time, as always, good night and good hockey. Hello, everybody. This is Fly Purbley. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell, and Craig, but not Craig Ruby. 
no, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah! Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>